0: Hello everyone. My name is Alexis Folk and I'm your proud host of the Meeting Mighty People podcast. Welcome to the show. Today we are very excited to have Marco Pasco on the show. Marco will share his journey about living with cerebral palsy. The purpose of this podcast is to help create awareness and spread advocacy for all people living with disabilities. Did you know, according to the World Health Organization, 15% of the world's population lives with a disability? Wow, that's a lot of people. That's why it's important to talk about the word disability. The importance of this podcast is to spread awareness and understanding of disabilities, including those that are not immediately apparent, such as mental illness, learning disabilities, and chronic pain. Today, I'm excited to share with you my next guest of the Meeting Mighty People podcast, Marco Pasqual. Pasqual is an award-winning entrepreneur, accessibility consultant, and inspirational speaker. He is also a spokesperson for the BC Cerebral Quality Association. Thank you, Marco, for agreeing to me on my podcast and for being the third person that I've interviewed. Marco, I personally find that you have a positive outlook on your CP. You are such an inspiration to me. Something that is unique about you is the way that you inspire people. So with that, let's get on with our interview.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much, Alexis. I'm happy to be here. Tell
0: us a little Marco, how did you become the spokesperson for the BC Cerebral Palsy Association?
1: Well, actually, it's an interesting story. The Cerebral Palsy Association, I've known for a long time. Um, I originally got involved with them, first and foremost, because I'm somebody with cerebral palsy. But also, um, I used to be involved with BC Wheelchair Sports and Sportability, which Cerebral Palsy Association is a big part of. And in March, actually, they approached me and said that they're looking to expand their reach far and beyond just the Lower Mainland where I live. And one of the ways that they would want to do that is by having presence um, throughout the rest of the province, to have a spokesperson uh, to go around the province when we're able to physically go around, but for the time being virtually, Uh, To be able to showcase the positive benefits of living life with cerebral palsy and that it doesn't have to be looked at as a negative thing. And so their marketing team actually approached me and said uh, that we would love to have me involved. And I got to tell you, it was a huge honor for me because I'm actually very proud to have cerebral palsy and proud to have a positive voice in the community from that regard. So it's brand new, uh, we're, we're, we're recording this podcast in April, uh, but I gotta tell you, it just happened last month. So this is a really, really exciting time for me and I can't wait to continue to hit the ground running and do more positive things for the CP Association uh, of BC as we move forward.
0: I can't wait to look see you do more positive things for the <laughs> CP Cerebral Quality Association. Tell us a little bit about your childhood experience growing up with CQ.
1: Well, you know, I think people often look at disability as a negative thing, but as I always say, disability doesn't have to be seen as a disadvantage. And I, I think it really helps that I grew up with parents that were super positive about my experiences and about uh, making a uh, lemonade out of lemons, as some people would say. And um, like you, I, I spent a lot of time in hospital Uh, as a kid. And I think that that is where it really helped to shape my speaking ability and my ability to recognize that CP doesn't have to be seen as a negative, but rather, I could share my experiences Uh, with other people in a positive way. So even though I had all those surgeries, my parents got me involved in sports and various activities that I could really help to build up on my abilities as opposed to focusing on the things that I couldn't do. And as a result of doing that, and being introduced to things like summer camps for people with disabilities growing up through Easter Seals or being involved in a number of different not-for-profit organizations as a child that were all focused on the positives I think that really helped just shape my vision of how the rest of my life could be, even though it was not always easy, even though there were days that seemed really tough and I would get depressed and all of those things. I don't want to lie to people and say that it's always easy and I've always been uber positive, but I think it's how you deal with those moments of frustration that really helped to define you. And instead of looking at them as, things that I could just get stuck on and not learn from. There's a lot of things you can learn from experience that seem negative that you can actually build up on yourself and become a stronger person as a result of it. But I really do credit my parents for giving me that positive attitude and a lot of the sports and other various activities they got me involved in uh, in order to shape my attitude in that way.
0: That's so cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was when awesome.
0: I- when I was younger and I realized that I couldn't do things that my other peers could do, this was frustrating to me. Marco, when you were younger and realized that you had to modify activities to suit your needs, how did you manage those people?
1: You know, so considering that um, the Mighty People podcast is, you know, to do with school age kids and, and kids that are, you know, in post secondary, or sorry, not post secondary, in secondary school. It really makes me reflect on when I was in high school, and I think I would have had a much different experience if I didn't have open-minded teachers. And prior to us going live today to do this recording, uh, you know, we were talking about the positivity that teachers had an impact on my life. And I said this to you before in our private discussions, Alexis, but... For me, my favorite subjects in school were drama class. I don't think that's any surprise to anyone (laughs) and uh, physical education, PE classes. And I think that the reason why I love PE class, people would say, well, that's kind of odd, isn't it? Somebody with a disability who loves PE classes. But it was actually because of the way my teachers treated me, especially in high school. I was never made to feel segregated. In fact, it came down to the uh, ingenuity of the teachers themselves to make subtle adaptions so that I could get involved. And I've shared this story with you in the past, but I'll share it for the listeners today on the podcast. When I was in high school and we were in PE class, one of my favorite um, sports, I guess you'd say, or activities to play was dodgeball. And this is simply because the activity was modified for me in a way that I could be Feel like I was involved and that I wasn't to be seen as somebody different. So the only thing the teacher had to do is said, okay, well, if Marco wants to play dodgeball, then we'll just make a subtle adjustment. And that means so if he's playing and somebody throws the ball at him, it only counts if you hit him in the body, not in the wheelchair. So of course, this meant that I was the first person chosen on every team so that they could use me as the official shield to block all of the balls, right? But the cool thing about this is that now I was being actually actively sought after my fellow colleagues and my peers to be a part of their team. And I was actually allowed to take some of the balls and store them in the spokes of my wheels so that I could kind of ha- have it easier to store the balls instead of having them on my lap and trying to wheel, store them in my spokes so I could kind of unload on people. And that (laughs) That was so fun for me. I still have memories to this day of being able to be involved in that way. And it was simply because the teacher made a very subtle adjustment to the rules so that I could be involved. And so I hope then in hearing this podcast today, other teachers, if they're listening, they can be inspired in the fact that you don't have to carve out a t- entire special program for somebody who identifies as having a disability, but rather making subtle changes can go a long way so that you can get involved with everyone, regardless of their ability.
0: So true. When I was younger, there were lots of supportive friends around me, which helped me realize that my, a bit, my abilities over my disability. This made me feel supported. Tell us a little bit about your experience now with CP that you are an adult. Has your perspective changed?
1: Oh, I think absolutely my perspective has changed. I think, um, especially when I was in elementary school, you know, I. I did have bouts of uh, major depression. You know, I wasn't really sad about my disability and kind of didn't know where that was gonna lead for me in terms of my future, in terms of the friends that I could have, this kind of things. And, and I will say, that although as an adult i still do struggle once in a while with anxiety and depression i think that i'm able to reflect back on the things that i learned from when i was a kid and realize that instead of looking this at this as a negative that my disability is actually a gift because it gives me a perspective that i wouldn't have in this world if it weren't for the fact that i was born with a disability and so i actually have taken that as my personal mission and in building my business as a speaker i really think that the best i can do is be the most authentic person i possibly can be and share my stories honestly with people so that they understand the human element of everybody goes through challenges not everyone can relate to having a disability but everyone can go through challenges and if we use those challenges to build ourselves up to become stronger people then there really isn't stopping us from what it is that we can accomplish and it comes down to the strength of our network and the people around us and so With that message, I continue to push forward, surround myself with positive people. And it's really helped me to build myself up as not only an adult, but also as a business owner too.
0: From when I I was younger, I know that my perspective has changed to thinking a disability is more of an ability than a disadvantage.
1: That's right.
0: Tell us how your passion of advocating for all People of all abilities started.
1: Yeah. Well, so I, I think where this really kicked off for me, and I've said this so many times before, is when I was around nine or 10 years old, I had the opportunity to be uh, an ambassador for Easter Seal's Timmy's Christmas Telethon, which was back in TV way before social media ever existed. And I was about, nine years old and I was on stage talking about the impact that Easter Seal summer camps had on me as a child to make me feel like anyone else, like I, my disability didn't even exist because I was made to feel just the same as anyone else. And back in those days, because this is pre-social media, they were pretty big deals. These were uh, provincial wide and even sometimes national wide telethons that would air on television. And there would even be hundreds of people in the audience that would be listening to us as Santa Claus would come out and give gifts to the kids. And I remember, I have a video clip of me when I was a kid actually, when the moment it actually occurred. But there was a gentleman by the name of Red Robinson who was a DJ on the radio. He's one of the DJs who's responsible for bringing guys like Elvis Presley the Beatles and all of that to Canada one of the first people to interview those celebrities in Canada on the radio and he was the host of this telethon and I remember him coming up to me as a nine-year-old and he loved my answer so much about how positive camp was for me. And that I flipped over a little check of a hundred dollars of my own money to give back to the camp so that other kids could go to camp. He was so impressed by that, that he asked me if there was an opportunity, would I like to come back the following year as the national spokesperson for the telethon and for Easter seals. And I said, yeah, that would be fantastic. And it was in that moment, That I realized that no matter all the negative stories that we sometimes see on the news, that there's a lot of positive things that you can do with TV cameras in front of you and with advocacy. And that really is what kickstarted positive advocacy for me, because I knew that I could be a powerful voice, even at that age, to use the media for good. And that springboard, an amazing year for me when I was still in elementary school, being called into the principal's office, not because I was bad, but actually because I had to go on early morning radio interviews as the ambassador for the Timmy's Telethon. And the only place they had a a phone that would work for the radio stations was in the principal's office. So (laughs) I thought thought it was pretty cool that I was getting called to the principal's office and everyone was like, ooh, is it bad? But it was actually because of being the ambassador. And that was just such an incredibly year for me. And I said to myself at that time, man, wouldn't it be cool if I could do this for the rest of my life, if I could do positive work. And I didn't actually go to school to be a spokesperson or anything like that. I went to school in video game design and I graduated uh, in a program for video game design, but it would come later in my life that I realized, wait a minute, entrepreneurship is an option. I can make my own future. I can make my own business. And that's where later, years down the line, uh, late into my mid-20s, I said, you know what? I actually am going to make this into a business. And I transitioned from what I went to school for post-secondary to being a speaker today and doing that work that I started so many years ago.
0: Marco, you have also inspired me to be an advocate.
1: That's amazing. I love that.
0: I hear that you are a parent. Congratulations of being a parent going so far.
1: Well, we're only two weeks in. So I got to tell you all the things they say about preparing for lack of sleep. They're 100% true. Um, But I wouldn't trade it for the world. I would not trade it for the world because... As I said, I had a very positive experience with my parents growing up. They were very, very supportive parents. And maybe it's because I'm only first-generation Canadian. My dad immigrated here from Italy. And I think that like many immigrants to Canada that speaks to the mosaic of the country that we live in. It's an amazing place to live and it's a story it's a story of all families coming together to rise above any struggles to turn those things into successes and that's the same message that I want to share for my daughter uh, her name is Stella and that means star in italian and I really truly feel that she's going to be a star uh, with her own right. And whether that's in advocacy or whether that's in whatever it is that she wants to accomplish in her own life, I will be the most supportive father that I possibly can be. And I'm so excited because even from a child age, I remember saying that the one thing I wanted to accomplish, especially as somebody with cerebral palsy, one day is to be a dad. And so now I can check that off of my bucket list. And uh, I'm looking so forward to the adventure that lies ahead. <laughs>
0: that's cool. Cool. Marco, you have many great stories. Could you please share one of your stories about accessibility and how it affects all people.
1: Okay, well, um, you know what I'll share, I'll share the bus stop story that I know that you've heard, um, because I, I presented at one point when you were in the audience and, and this is a really good story, because it speaks to how accessibility impacts all people. And it actually has to do with when I um, graduated from my video game design program and landed a job at one of the biggest game studios in the world, Electronic Arts. And here in the lower mainland in Burnaby is where the head office of um, Electronic Arts is. And I'll never forget the first day that I started out at this job because I had planned everything in advance. I had to take the bus there. I had to know exactly what stop I had to get off at. And I was so excited. In fact, I remember seeing other coworkers with their EA lanyard, their electronic arts lanyard around their neck. So I knew that I was on the right bus and gonna get off at the right stop. And as we arrived at the stop, I remember pulling on the bell to let the driver know that I was ready to get off at the stop. And I start to unbuckle my wheelchair from the restraints that were holding my wheelchair down and wheeling to the front of the bus. And one by one, each of the students starts to get off the bus until finally I'm at the back of the line and it's my turn to get off the bus. And I was expecting the driver to lower the ramp and let me off the bus. But before I could say anything, he closes the door and begins to drive off. Now thinking this was some sort of a mistake, I turned to the driver and I said, excuse me, driver, driver, I don't think you understand. I need to get off of this bus as well. I work here too, but I wasn't expecting the answer. He was going to say to me next, he said well, I can't do that. I said, well, what do you mean you can't do that? He says, you see that bus stop sign there? You see how it's missing the accessible decal? I said, yeah. He says, well, that means that the city has determined that this bus stop is not safe for me to let you off at. And that means that the next stop I am going to be able to let you off at is where that symbol is presented. Well, as luck would have it, that symbol wouldn't be presented for another three blocks. So not only would this mean that I'd have to wheel up a very steep hill every day because EA was at the very top of this massive steep hill, which I was prepared for, but now every single day I was going to have to wheel back three blocks just to get to the beginning where my coworkers were. And I'd accepted this as my reality. And so day in, day out, whether rain or shine, I would now wait three blocks, ring the bell, then get off the bus, wheel back, and then wheel up the hill, rinse and repeat. And this was terrible because it also perpetuated a stigma that maybe I wasn't prepared as anyone else who didn't have a disability. Because if it was raining in Vancouver and I ended up getting drenched, or maybe I had an important meeting and I had a nice blazer on or something, by the time I would get wheeling and then up the hill, I would be completely drenched. And it would perpetuate a stigma that maybe people with disabilities just aren't as prepared as anyone else. And I'd accepted this my reality until... One day I met a driver by the name of Chris, and that's where everything changed. You see, Chris, we'd started to get to know each other a little bit, and he'd been my driver for several weeks. And I could tell something was on his mind. And one day he finally said to me, hey, Marco, I gotta ask you a question. I said, yeah? He says, well, okay, I'm noticing that everyone else on this bus who gets off at EA gets off at this one stop, but then you're waiting for three blocks later until uh, until another stop, and then you're getting off, and I gotta know why. And uh, thinking that I was the smartest person on the bus at that time, I kind of puffed my chest out and I said, well, you see that bus stop sign there? You see how it's missing the accessible decal? Well, that means that the city has determined that this bus stop isn't safe. And that's why I'm getting off three blocks later. Now, Chris said something that I'll never forget. He said, well, that's stupid. <laughs> I said to him, well, of course I agree with you. That is stupid, but what are we going to do about it? I mean, we're just two other guys. And he said, no, 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 no. I think there is something that I could do about this. And with that, he went and talked to his manager, who then talked to the city planner, who then talked to the technician. And they determined that when this bus stop was installed, sure, it may have been dangerous to lower a ramp. Maybe there was shrubs or bushes that were in the way. Maybe the pavement was a little uneven. But today, there was absolutely no reason why this bus stop couldn't be changed permanently to an accessible stop. And with that, within two weeks, they permanently converted that stop forever to be an accessible stop, all because one person decided to speak up and say something about it. So the accessibility story behind this isn't just the fact that they permanently converted a stop for myself, so that I could use this stop and be treated like everyone else. But it also is the ripple effect of how accessibility impacts everyone. It's not just about the accessibility at EA, the building itself, but thinking about accessibility holistically. How does that impact our travel? How does that impact every single point at which we go? And not only that, but how does it impact other people in our community? Because now that this bus stop was permanently converted, it meant not only could I get off at of the stop, But other people could as well, like senior citizens, mothers or fathers with strollers. And it all came down to some person who wasn't the CEO of a company, seeing an injustice and saying, you know what, I got to say something about this and see what we can do. And with that simple change, I want people to recognize on the podcast that sometimes the smallest changes can make the biggest of impacts. And so if you're seeing something that you think is probably not right and you can make a change on, just be brave enough to say one thing. So, I hope that that story helps to outline that accessibility isn't just for people with disabilities, it impacts everyone.
0: Yeah, it does. Do you have any memorable life-changing accomplishments that you are proud of?
1: Wow. Well, I got to tell you, you know, as I said earlier, being a father is definitely probably the one of the proudest moments, especially since my wife and I didn't decided not to find out what the gender of our baby would be and, till the, the day she was born. So when they turned that baby to me and, and said, dad, do you wanna say what the gender is? And I was able to say, it's a baby girl. I'm not gonna lie. There was definitely some tears welting up in my eyes. And that was a really powerful moment to be there with my wife and to experience that. One of the other things I'm super proud of is um, that I've in the past rappelled down a 20 story building in my wheelchair uh, with just a rappel rope and my wheelchair to raise money for kids with disabilities for Easter Seals Camps. And not only have I done that once, I actually did that three times in three different buildings to raise money for Easter Seals Camps. And in total, we raised over $15,000 for kids with disabilities to go to summer camp. So I'm super proud of that because my message is about authenticity and paying it forward. And what better way to do that than to practice what I preach and put my money where my mouth is, and my body probably where it shouldn't be, but for a good cause. Uh, but my, I made my, my wife made me promise that third time's a charm, and that I'll never do that again because she gets nervous every single time I'm dangling off the side of a building in my chair. So I think three times I'm good, but that's something I'm very much proud of. That's so cool. <laughs>
0: Do you have any advice for any people thinking about pursuing a career in public speaking?
1: Uh, Sure. Well, I would say, and this is just honest advice. If you're somebody with a disability, know that your story of disability is not enough to make it as a professional speaker. And that's just me being honest. Because here's the thing. I didn't wanna be just seen as somebody with a disability talking about my disability, because eventually that's not relatable anymore to other people. So if you are looking to start a career in public speaking and you happen to have um, a challenge in your life or a disability, think about other ways in which you can pivot your speaking topics that are relevant to a wider audience of people. So not only do I talk about my disability, but I have talked to people about making authentic connections and I talk to people about a specialized skill of making the environment more accessible and reviewing companies for their ex- accessibility and inclusive employment strategies. So I've gone kind of above and beyond just my personal story And my personal message to talk about things that are broader and that impact more people. And I want everyone to think out there, what are some things that they're passionate about that they can incorporate as part of their story to pursue public speaking in order to make their message unique, exciting, as well as work on your abilities as a storyteller. There is no shame in going and doing things like Toastmasters, getting practice wherever you can, whether that's in school, whether that's in your workplace, or, uh, you know, going to other associations, agreeing to do your initial talks for free, just to get the practice and move yourself out there and get more involved and practice, practice, practice. And I tell you, the more that you do that, the more confident that you'll be, and the more that you can find a niche and hone in on that niche, the better that you'll be in terms of finding success in the industry as a speaker. That's
0: so interesting. Mm -hmm. Marco, I just want to thank you for allowing me to interview you today. It has been such a pleasure to speak with you today. We have learned so much about you and your accomplishments along with your cerebral quality, and I'm so excited to share your interview with the world.
1: That's that's awesome, Alexis. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, I want to say that you're definitely one of the young up and comers in terms of positive advocacy for people with cerebral palsy in the world. And it makes me feel good to know that as I'm getting older, you know, I'm not that old yet, but as I'm getting older, it's always nice to know that there's somebody to pass the baton on to just like I was uh, given the, uh, the honor of getting the baton passed to me from guys I look up to like Rick Hansen and other people who are in the speaking industry and, or who are people that I look up to my entire life. And so if you keep doing what you're doing and you keep staying positive and you keep being a, uh, a really recognizable force in the disability community, then nothing's going to stop you in what you're going to be able to accomplish in your life and in your career. So congratulations on all your success. Congratulations on this mighty podcast. And I'm really, really proud to say that I'm the third guest joining the halls of the many people who will be considered mighty uh, in the world of Alexis and everyone else you go to school with. So thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs) Bye.